Hello, listener, and welcome to Straight Shot Health Talk. This is the podcast that provides honest and straightforward information about health, wellness, and how to survive our crazy healthcare system. This is for people who want to focus on getting well instead of just treating symptoms. Sound like you? Then let's get started. All right. Welcome, everybody, back to another episode of Straight Shot Health Talk. This is your host, Dr. Kevin Kukaro, and I am so glad to be with you here today. Now, my goal with this particular episode is hopefully not to ramble on too much because this is a topic I'm very interested in, and I'm going to present it in a little bit different way than maybe some of these things have been presented in the past. I'm going to challenge, hopefully, some of your belief systems here, and I want you to really think when you're through. Okay, just like all of my episodes, though, let me uh, just put a little caveat here. I'm not providing any direct medical advice with this. Again, this is to get you thinking. This is informational only. I want you to take what I'm telling you and apply it to your own situation in a way that fits you best. Okay, because some people are going to listen to me and they're going to say, you're crazy. And other people are going to maybe take the other extreme. But this is really about getting you to think. Now, the reason I'm bringing up this particular topic is is, is this... Um, I have some personal experience with this. I have some good friends that were in situations very, very similar to this. And it's, um, again, it's just sort of hit me on a different level. And what I'm going to use as sort of the framework for this episode is an editorial from the Journal of the American Medical Association. This came out June 4th, 2014. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. And the title of it is The $50,000 Physical. And this was placed in there or written by Dr. Michael Rothberg, who is a physician at the Cleveland Clinic in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. And it's really about this idea of annual physical exams. So I'm going to be reading from this. I'm going to be kind of adding my own little, um, you know, break, break in, trying to explain it a little bit better because we do talk in a different language when we're physicians here. And we'll just start off right now. Okay, so Dr. Rothberg was uh, discussing the physical examination with the house staff of it as hospital. And what house staff are is they're physicians. They're basically people who have graduated from medical school. And as a physician, then you go into a residency program where you get further training. That's where you become the doctor. Right? You, so you graduate from medical school, you're called a doctor, but it is residency that really forges you, that makes you a doctor. And that's, you know, people go into surgical residencies to become surgeons, people go into internal medicine residencies to become internal medicine doctors, or family practice residencies to become family practice doctors. And uh, so he was teaching the house staff, or having a discussion, a lot of what, how we learn when we're in residency is we do it under supervision. There's always an attending physician around. Um, and then we talk about it, and we are taught from their past experience. And there's some good things about that, and there's some bad things about it. Um, but in this situation, they were talking about the annual physical examin- examination on healthy patients. Okay, and so an annual physical examination, we talk about this all the time, is basically that annual checkup, all right? Even if you're not feeling bad, you should go see your doctor once a year. Now, one of the concerns I have with this is there is a whole host of patients that have not had insurance for a while that are quite excited with the Camel Care Act that they now have insurance. And so there's a lot of people who are going, you know what, I just got insurance. I better go see my doctor to make sure nothing's wrong. Well, here's the kicker. If you're not feeling like anything's wrong, then it's highly likely that you don't have anything wrong. And the rest of this uh, podcast is going to be talking about why in that situation it may not be your best bet to have this annual physical examination. So anyway, Dr. Rothberg was talking about this with the, uh, the, his residents, and he said, you know, what's the value of it? What's the evidence? 
are we doing you know what what uh, our experience what our what our research has really said is a better thing to do for the most number of people and the residents as is often the case when you're trying to teach them said they didn't know they're very busy uh, and one of them said quote it couldn't hurt end quote well dr rothberg countered this then and he related to them a story from his own family and here's the story it says about 10 years ago uh, his father was 85 years old and um, Dr. Rothbard's father and mother sold their house and relocated to an assisted living facility like older people do sometimes. They're downsizing. They're getting rid of their house. They're moving into an area or, uh, you know, into an assisted living place where maybe they have someone come in and clean. It makes it a little bit easier for them. You know, after they arrived, his father visited his new primary care physician for a, quote, checkup. Now, this is something we tend to advise as people establish with a primary care doc in their local area. And in this situation, since he's seeing him for the first time, he's going to have his annual physical. Now, his father, Dr. Rothberg's father, had some, you know, high blood pressure for quite some time. He had some problems with his eyes uh, and a little bit of um, a heart murmur, but otherwise is in good health. Basically, nothing that most other people didn't have at his age. But because of his initial evaluation, his primary care doctor performed a complete and thorough physical examination because that's what we want, isn't it? We want that physician to not only talk to us uh, completely, but then to poke and prod us all over through our body to give us that clean bill of health. Now, Dr. Rothberg's father's new physician was feeling in uh, his father's belly and he felt what was something, he thought something was a little bit large and uh, what they were specifically feeling was something called the aorta. The aorta is the largest blood vessel in the body. It basically takes all of your blood and pumps it throughout your body and down in your belly. It's like a tree trunk. Well, not a small tree trunk, but you can feel it uh, if you don't have too much fat in your belly and you push hard enough, but we are not very good at feeling it. Okay. Particularly in this day and age, we, we, our, our ability to feel things just isn't as good as it was probably 30, 40 years ago, and we didn't have all the fancy imaging. So his new physician who was seeing him, uh, again, relatively healthy, said, you know, your aorta, the blood vessel feels a little bit large. You should get a, an ultrasound. And an ultrasound, uh, for those that don't know, it basically is sort of like uh, sonar that bounces these little sound waves in, and then they, we can look at these pictures of things. And again, father was asymptomatic, didn't have any real pressing health concerns, didn't have any symptoms that he was complaining of, was just seeing his doctor for the first time to establish care. Now he's getting an ultrasound for something that the doctor felt in his belly, again, but he's not having any pain, no problem from it. Well, the ultrasound is done, and the aorta, unsurprisingly, looks fine. But on the edges of the ultrasound, the uh, technician doing the, the, the test, as well as the radiologist reading it, said, you know, the pancreas, which is another organ in the belly, up in the upper uh, belly, there's, it looks a little weird uh, up on the edges here. We can't really see it real well. And, and that's sort of the general theme with this is uh, you do in a test for one specific thing, and then they see things that aren't seen well with that particular test, and they recommend that you get another test. So after the ultrasound, they recommended that you have a CT scan of his belly. And with a CT scan now, they're using radiation, it's basically like an x-ray, but the, we, we look at your belly in slices. It's a lot of actually radiation. And lo and behold, they did the CT scan to look at the pancreas, which had looked suspicious on the ultrasound, and the ultrasound had been done for this uh, possible aorta that felt a little bit too large by his physician. Well, the CT scan showed that the pancreas was normal, but there looked like there was a solitary lesion in the liver meaning now the liver looked like it's had something wrong with it. 
And based on the size and shape, just by looking at it, it kind of looked like it might be cancer. Now, cancer is a big buzzword here. Once we hear cancer, we have a tendency to uh, stop thinking in a lot of ways. And liver cancer can be quite serious. Again, he has no symptoms of it. He has no, it wasn't complaining of anything. Uh, this wasn't even, this is way downstream in all the tests because they're looking in areas that they weren't even suspicious of before. Now, his father, though, Dr. Rothberg's father, had worked in the chemical industry, had been around, uh, you know, chemicals that may cause cancer. And his father, after looking in the Merck Manual, and the Merck Manual is a book that talks about symptoms that you can read yourself. And basically, it's the old way of Googling uh, your health problems, right? The Merck Manual, you look into it and uh, you kind of convince yourself or not that you have certain diseases. In this day and age, we just type those symptoms into Google and then we come up with a list of things. And, you know, so this is the old way of Googling. But anyway, his father looked in the Merck Manual and he concluded, you know what? I bet it is cancer. But his father, but his father, after reading further, though, um, you know, read about the treatments and that the treatments by themselves were not very effective, and there was a good chance he was going to die. Again, he was not having any symptoms. This was just based on the CT scan. But he didn't want to pursue anything further. He was 85 years old. You know, he uh, his children were all grown. They were all doing well. Didn't want to do any aggressive treatment. You know, Dr. Dr. Rothberg's sister, his father's daughter, uh, like family members are prone to do. Um, was not convinced and she didn't want to, quote, give up on her father. So she convinced her father to be seen uh, at this, you know, ivory tower, fantastic academic center with all these liver specialists who are so great at treating liver disease and the specialist in, in liver diseases, as is our want in medicine, convinced her father uh, that, you know what, we can do something about this. It's you're in good health. Yes, you're a little bit older. Uh, but all these other things look fine, and um, we're going to treat this. And the father agreed. Now, of course, what they need to do now is actually confirm that he has cancer in his liver because all that they're doing at this point is they're looking off some lab work and they're looking off of the CT scan that was done because the ultrasound showed something that was suspicious, and the ultrasound had been done uh, for someone feeling suspicious in the belly. So the original problem that they had been looking for was completely out of the picture, and they're still out now in the liver where they originally were not even looking or suspicious of. So they decided to treat this, right? But they need to do a biopsy. And what a biopsy is, is you take a needle or you go in and you cut something out and you're basically trying to get a piece of the tissue itself, a piece of the liver, so that you can look at that under a microscope. And then you can tell most of the time whether it is cancerous cells or not cancerous cells, all right? And since they're going to now go ahead and treatment, now they have to verify that it is in fact cancer and is not just something else. All right. So Dr. Rothbury's father goes into the hospital and the good news was he did not have cancer. But the bad news was that that little isolated lesion, that little thing that they saw in the liver while not being cancer was something called a hemangioma. And hemangioma basically means blood vessels, right? Hemangio blood, you know, lots of blood vessels. So it's basically if you imagine a water balloon and then we fill it up full of blood, uh, that's what this was. Now, remember, a biopsy, they're taking a needle and they're poking it into that thing. What happens when you poke a water balloon filled with something uh, with a needle? It pops and it bursts, and that's what happened to his father. And so when they popped this hemangioma in his liver, he almost bled to death. He required 10 units of blood, and getting blood is um, 
not risk-free either. There are reactions that you can have for getting blood. You do not want to have a blood transfusion unless you absolutely need it. That's another episode there because we transfuse more than we need to. And he had a lot of pain um, from the, both the procedure and the bleeding, uh, probably some swelling in the belly as well. And because he was he had a lot of pain, then you know his doctors gave him morphine. And one of the side effects of morphine, it makes it difficult to go to the bathroom, so he couldn't pee anymore. And because he couldn't pee, they stuck a catheter in his penis so that they could drain his bladder and sent him home with it. Now, overall, no physical harm was done, meaning Dr. Rothberg's father did recover from this. He did have the catheter removed, and other than a long house hospital stay or, or you know a couple days in the hospital, plus the pain, plus the inconvenience, plus the catheter, plus all this stuff, no physical harm was done. The total bill for that hospitalization for having a test that was performed that started from a uh, you know feeling in the belly that isn't really a good way to determine things, but again, going after a problem that they never suspected in the beginning at all was $50,000, okay, not an insubstantial amount. And as Dr. Roth- Dr. Rothberg notes in this story is that the really frustrating thing about this whole thing was that after that initial examination, okay, after that initial examination by his physician where he sort of felt in the belly, everything that was done was following evidence, okay? If the ultrasound had a suspicion of something else, somewhere else, then the test is to confirm that suspicion. So the ultrasound led to the CT scan, CT scan to confirm or deny that that uh, problem with the pancreas was there. It wasn't, but then it saw the liver. Then once they had the liver, lesion, then they were, you know, what, what are you going to do about that? Um, you know, originally his father didn't want to do anything, but they were convinced otherwise, and then they, you know, go and they do the biopsy. So the only way to have stopped this entire cascade would have not done the initial physical examination, would have not felt the belly in the, in the, in the, in the beginning of this whole process. And uh, he talks about something called the U.S. Preventative Health uh, Services Task Force. And the U.S. Preventative, U.S. Preventative Services Task Force is a group of health professionals that gets together, looks at the best evidence, and they talk about screening, you know, cancer screening, when to do things, when not to do things. They put out a lot of guidelines. Um, a lot of them aren't really listened to, by the way. Uh, but they don't even recommend that you do you know, that you're poking around in the belly for people who are not having belly pain. If you are not having a problem in the belly, they don't even recommend you start uh, poking around in the belly uh, because we're not very good at it. But this also leads into the whole fact of this complete annual physical exam. And what is the evidence for having a complete physical exam if you are healthy? There's virtually none. Okay. A lot of the screening examinations that they recommend done at the same time, again, not great evidence for. Uh, and these are things, you know, testicular and thyroid cancer, all these sort of cancer screenings that we have done. Poor evidence for a, quite a bit of it. Not all of it, but quite a bit of it. And then we go, well, why are we doing this? Okay, why are we doing this? Well, one, uh, we get paid to do it, right? An annual physical examination, Um is apparently one of the most common reasons that people are seeing their doctor in the first place. And this does make sense uh, when you consider that over 50% of people in the health, or, you know, 50% of the people don't use a lot of health care and they go in maybe for their annual physical examination and that's it. Okay. Medicare pays for it. 
uh, more than some things that we get paid for. And it is increased, you know, there's a little incentive to have these things done, to get your annual physical done. And secondly, patients and people expect it, right? And I talked about and I, when we opened this, that there's a lot of people entering into the healthcare system that may not feel like there's anything wrong, but now have access to healthcare and are going to want to get their annual physical exam to, quote, you know, I'm using little air quotes here, make sure nothing is wrong with them, all right? If you're not feeling that there's anything wrong with you, it is likely that you don't have anything wrong with you. Now, there is a couple of people that is not true with, but there is going to be much more, or there's more of you that that is absolutely true with, and the dangers of us looking for something to instead treat uh, become prominent. But there is this, again, this expectation is, is it, and we have an expectation that we want people to, uh, your doctor, to not only ask us questions, to actually do the physical exam, okay? And the questions are the most important part about that, by the way. And as I said, with the physical exam, our physical exam skills are not what they used to be. And then lastly, there is an anxiety about missing something, all right? Now, there's some biological reasons for us. We're actually primed toward this. It's called uh, uh, loss aversion, where... You know, our fear of losing something is overwhelming in a lot of ways. And it's a survival-based mechanism. But this is where fear comes in because we're, you know, constantly inundated with, oh, this person had no symptoms in the screening device, you know, rapid screening from the hospital down the, down the block. Where they'll use it in their advertising or the medical group down the block. Uh, said, well, if I hadn't had the screening test done, so-and-so would have died from whatever because they found it and they didn't even know it exists. Well, they need to change those. And they need to say, you know, because of the screening, yes, there was one person out of 100,000 or 200,000 that did find some horrible, awful thing that they possibly could have died for because we're just assuming this. And they may have become symptomatic at some point, meaning they may have had some symptoms later on. They may have been successfully treated later on. But there was a heck of a lot more people that will have not ever developed that disease process, that maybe it was in the early stages, that our bodies do have healing mechanisms. And when it comes to these precancerous cells, like if you have a, a fear of cancer, we all have cancer in our bodies. And our body scans it and looks for these cells, these abnormal cells, and kills them off over time. And part of the reasons of staying well and keeping healthy is that we keep our immune systems primed so that they do a better job about this. But um, if we find this stuff early and we start intervening too early, then we're treating a lot of people that never needed to be treated. And so while one person may have, again, one out of 100,000, one over 200,000 or even higher numbers, maybe we found something and maybe we changed the outcome, although we can't really say that, there's going to be a host of more people on a larger order of magnitude. We're talking 5, 10, 15, 20 people more that are going to have incidental findings that are going to have suggestions of something that is there that is not really there or that doesn't need to be treated. And what we don't talk enough about in medicine is the fact that those people are getting hurt. And those people are getting hurt at a much greater rate than the other people are getting something found. Okay, now that's not a sexy thing to say either. It's much more sexy. It's much more uh, exciting to say, oh, yeah, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling bad at all. And the wonderful doctors found this stuff and treated me. Um, Rather than say, yeah, I wasn't feeling anything at all, and I had all the screening done, and then I almost bled to death when this incidental finding that they found uh, was poked with a needle. All right. 
And that happens much, much more than we give credit for it. So first of all, why do we do this? We get paid to do it. We get paid to seek out sickness. We have a sick care system. Remember, we are trying to find symptoms to treat. Um, not necessarily we're evil doing it, but we are incentivized to do so. It makes more sense. We are treated to treat. Secondly, people expect it. Okay, there is this cultural institution now that you get an annual physical exam. You get the checkup that's supposed to give you a clean bill of health and makes you feel better for the rest of the year knowing that there's supposedly nothing wrong with you. And we also know that's not necessarily true because things can develop very rapidly. And then we have the anxiety. We have that survival-based mechanism that tells us it is much worse to miss something uh, than it is to harm us by looking for those things. All right, no, so what are the solutions? I mean, I don't want to do rants as much anymore. I, if you look at some of my early episodes of Straight Shot Health, there was a lot of us ranting. And I'm trying to provide a little bit of solution here. And the solution for this is really threefold. One, we need to weigh, look at the way that we pay for our health care system. All right. There are some suggestions in the Accountable Care Act, you know, trying to maintain, you know, more of a wellness based profile uh, or really trying to make sure that we're uh, trying to maintain the health of people rather than just treat sickness. Um, And that is going to take some time to actually develop in in a good way. I'm not seeing it so much. There are some concerns I have with the Accountable Care Act beyond what it's doing because they're not addressing how to change behavior, really. Uh, the other part is we have to stop incentivizing this, which also goes with the payment model. You know, we, we say that there's these best practice guidelines and that people need to follow them, but our payment model doesn't follow us at all. And I can tell you, if you actually follow guidelines, do you actually follow best practices? Uh, and, and this is certainly from my experiences, that's a good way to drive your revenue down to almost nothing. Because what we learn when we start following these best practice guidelines is that we need to stop intervening as much. We need to stop doing more tests. We need to stop doing multiple lab work. We need to stop doing x-rays every, every, you know, for every ache and pain that we have. And that's the way you get paid. So that's a quick way to drive yourself out of business. And hospitals, above and beyond anything, we've got to remember that healthcare is a business. Yes, it's a business. Uh, yes, we're out there to help people. But particularly with the way it's set up, it is a business, and we will follow where the money trail goes. And if you're incentivized to get something done, if you are paid to get something done, then we will find ways to get it done. And that is not even saying is that all doctors or hospitals are greedy people. That's not true. Are there some? Absolutely. But most people aren't. However, we do not think rationally. And um, in fact, we don't think rationally at all in most situations. We think that we're highly you know, that, that we make conscious decisions, but we don't. We have the way that our body is primed, the way that our mind works, we are heavily influenced by beliefs and bias systems that we have. And unless you're aware of those beliefs or those biases, it is incredibly hard to fight them off. So as physicians, we have biases of treatment. We are, you know, our training says this is what we need to do. Uh, we get paid this way, and that's what we need to do. And even if you're not conscious, if you were like, you know what, I just make all of my choices when I'm treating my patients based on the, the, the best evidence uh, in what not to do or not, there is going to be an unconscious part of you that says, if I have a choice here of doing nothing or doing something, and you think that maybe doing something isn't likely to cause harm, and you kind of know that doing something is also going to increase your productivity or whatever the buzzword is to, you know, increases your billing, then you're going to be more likely to do that. And we hate to say that, and we certainly, it's difficult sometimes for us to process that. But I will tell you, 
It is absolutely true. Uh, that's you know one of the reasons they talk about drug representatives and stuff and the way those are influences. And doctors always say that they don't. You know, <laughs> drug reps don't influence our decisions, and uh, that's obviously false because if it didn't influence our decisions, then the drug reps wouldn't be coming to us. Uh, but anyway, so we need to change the way we actually think about this stuff. Now, what about for you? What can you do? Because I've talked about hospitals and I've talked about physicians, and most of you listening are not either in the hospital or you're not with the physician. This is really to understand what it is that you go to the doctor for. Okay, If you are feeling well, what is your goal with that visit? Okay, Again, remembering we can do all sorts of screening and we can find all sorts of things that may not necessarily need to be treated. In fact, I would say we are more likely to harm you with a lot of the screening that we have done. All right. And is really to be educated and to understand this this is really a threat of intervention bias. And that our fear, to really sort of confront these fears of missing something. Okay. Missing something. We are so scared that something's going to be missed that we are willing and excitedly going out to get screening done and tests done and intervention done and even needles poked into us to prevent that possible loss from occurring when we don't recognize that in many situations we're more likely to harm ourselves by getting in that system. And I haven't even gotten into the belief part yet because when we start going in and they find you know incidental whatevers and you start believing what they're telling you bad one for me is back pain when they start you know doing you get back pain and then they do an MRI and then they tell you have bulging discs and then you now have a belief system that your back is broken that you're going to be suffering from chronic pain forever when that is not true you know but now because you believe that you have these bulging discs or whatever and that's the source of all your pain every time you feel something in your back move you know it's got to be that disc da 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 and then your brain starts remodeling because it starts focusing only on that little area you know in the back and then there's this wicked downward spiral so what i guess what i'm basically trying to say is if you feel well that's a good sign stay away from your doctor in those situations okay unless you have something a big question that you need to be answered because this whole idea that screening tests are not harmful that it can't hurt is flawed uh and if we really want to go into it, I will talk to you in situations where there's probably times when you really don't want to know what's going on and you may live a better life by not knowing if there's something in your body than not. But I will leave that for another visit. I'm sorry that this was a little bit more rambling than some of my other episodes, but it's an important topic and I don't think we talk about it enough. There's this whole idea that screening is not benign, that these annual physical exams, if you are healthy, there's poor evidence for, and if you get trapped into the system, all we need is that one little pebble to go off, one little incidental thing that we start doing the tests on, and it can bring about all sorts of things that we really don't want to get to. All right, so thanks again for listening. I hope you got some value out of this, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. In the meantime, stay well.